When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and info that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. Our whole goal is to help you save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. We do that with this show, with Clark.com, with ClarkDeals.com, our newsletters, social media, you name it, and one-on-one free consumer advice, information, and guidance from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, available to you five days a week, six hours each weekday. You can talk with one of our staffers or volunteers by going to clark.com slash CAC. And in this episode, I want to talk about something I never saw coming. Companies having to do special training because of ordering workers back into the office. What does that mean for people who it's their first office type job because they work remotely from the beginning because of the workforce changes of COVID that are now reversing? Also, we are still dealing with price PTSD. Prices went up so rapidly on so many things because of the supply chain shortages that started in the back half of 20. And in our minds, prices are still going up, up, and away. But you and I actually are back in the driver's seat. I want to talk about how to take the best advantage of that every time you go shop. So this is crazy. This was something... Not on my radar at all. Because, well, those of you who watch the YouTube show, you see how I dress, right? This is dressed up for me. For those of you who only listen to the audio version, I'm wearing cheap khakis, usually shorts, running shoes, cheap socks, and a shirt I got at Sam's Club that I have 12 of that I got for $6.91 on clearance. So ResumeBuilder.com did a survey recently of employers who are corporate office-oriented. So there's a lot of people who got out of school, whatever level of education it was, and worked remotely. And let's face it, during remote work, pretty much everybody was dressing like a bum. So you got all these people who came of age who didn't know in a corporate environment, there's a lot of subtle stuff that nobody's going to tell you. You're just expected to know. We've got all these people who may have been working for a company for now a few years. They've been ordered into the office and it's not back for them. It's the first time. And they're clueless about corporate culture. So this is a stunner from this resume builder survey 
six in 10 companies are going to send their younger workers to corporate etiquette classes in 24. Don't microwave your tuna in the office <laughs> kitchen. Is that one, one of the things of you're not supposed know, to I'm do? I'm guessing like people microwave smelly stuff. But there's all these subtle things that people just don't know. It's funny that people's careers could short circuit, mm-hmm. even if they're excellent employees, because they don't know these subtle things that end up being how people make judgments of you in a corporate environment. You know, it's weird. The bigger a company is, it's harder for the quality of work you do to be what leads to your success and advancement. And it's more like fitting in the corporate culture that becomes so much a part of it. I never got that whole thing. I mean, if somebody who doesn't fit corporate culture, I'm like one of those people who's way up that list. You're smiling. <laughs> you you know. Yeah, I love that. That I would never fit it. So just know if you are younger in the workforce, there's a lot of stuff. If you've got somebody there who's kind of a, somebody who could play the role of a mentor, say, hey, you know, I understand there's all this stuff that goes on in this environment. I'm just not cluing into. What things do you notice from me? Because there are things people will notice about how you're handling the corporate environment that they just won't tell you unless you ask. That person or persons you trust, ask them. How do you fit better in that environment? However you'd say that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you could learn a lot that'll help you in that career. It really does work that way in big companies. Okay, we'll go to questions. Charlotte in Arizona says, I recently got a job interview with a very reputable company. The job is an on-site position, and this company doesn't use a lot of remote workers. However, I was surprised that my initial interview was not in person, but with a company called HireVue, with V-U-E at the end, where I recorded a video of myself answering several questions. I'm concerned about my ability to make a good first impression via video, but the process was simple and I was able to schedule the interview whenever I wanted. Have you heard of this? Is it the wave of the future or simply a way for employers to cut costs in HR? So the deal is very large companies that are well known get, I mean, enormous numbers of applications every week. And it way outstrips their HR department's ability to siphon through. So very large companies, and this is one of the companies that I'm familiar with that you asked about, will do an initial screening because they want to take an application from all comers. And the reality is I don't know that whatever happens with any of those video interviews at all. Because one reality of large companies is most jobs are wired. Most jobs that are posted are already wired. They have the likely candidate they want to hire already in mind for that job. But it's part of corporate bureaucracy that they allow anybody to apply for it. And you may even think you're a serious candidate, but they've already picked out who they're going to hire. So know that people hire people they know And that happens even in the largest of organizations. So unless you have a specific skill set that is much in demand in the workplace, you may be spinning your wheels doing an interview 
whatever format it is with a big company because they may not really be considering you. It may be just window dressing. Well, it's still worth it to make an impression. Maybe there's another job, you know. You're getting cynical lately about stuff. I'm surprised, Mr. Optimist. But I don't want people, I notice people will get really, really excited Mm -hmm. about a job that they've applied for with a big company, and they may not realize that the job is, in fact, a wired job. Okay, this one's So that was cynical, and I said that in a way that was cynical, I stand corrected. Thank you. Susan in Colorado says, in the spring, my husband and I are renting a car for a vacation. And since our 20 and 21-year-old Toyotas no longer have full coverage insurance, do we have to sign up for rental car insurance coverage? Or should we contact USAA and get full coverage for a week or a month? Love your awesome show. So, Susan, my goodness, a 20 and 21-year-old Toyota and you've made the right decision to not have Collision Comprehensive on it. So if you are a USAA insured, which you are, and you probably have the USAA credit card, the USAA credit card, most of the cards they have, maybe all, but I won't say all, have coverage for temporary use of a rental car. Most uh, cards that do, it's 14 or 15 days of coverage domestic. 30 Days International, that provides coverage for the rental vehicle itself up to a set amount of money. So even if your USAA policy would not cover the damage to a rental vehicle because you have no collision comprehensive, the USAA credit card would. You may also have another credit card that you carry that covers you for temporary use of a rental car. But the best way to get this answer is to talk to an insurance specialist at USAA during the day, not nights and weekends. The USAA auto insurance people nights and weekends are dealing with people who've had auto accidents. Policy issues are best handled during core business hours with USAA. Oh, and thank you for your service to our country. Stella in Virginia wrote in, she says, I'm booked to go to Belgium and Ireland at the end of April and want to rent an EV in both countries. How do you go about charging your EV rental and what are the ins and outs to know about renting an EV in Europe? Okay, Stella, I don't know what to do because Krista just said I was being negative and cynical with the prior (laughs) question. Um, I addressed this recently that I don't recommend even as somebody who's been driving an electric vehicle, now this is my 14th year as an electric vehicle driver, I don't rent them when I travel. And I rent cars. uh, Last year, I didn't hit 30 rentals. I hit about 20. But I rent cars continually. And I turn down the electrics. Because if you're in an unfamiliar area, in this case, you'd be in Europe in areas not that you don't normally live in, in Belgium and Ireland. I don't want you messing up your trip, going somewhere, being told there's a charger there, the charger's out, or whatever problem there may be. And there are lots of travel logs people have written about the problems they've had renting an electric. If you rent in your hometown, fine. You rent out of town, I don't recommend it. In fact, Hertz is selling off one-third of their electric vehicle fleet right now because they've had such negative feedback from customers who were excited 
to rent an electric vehicle and then had charging problems. So she originally addressed it to me too, because I did tell the story of how I rented an electric vehicle in Europe last summer. The reason it worked for me was I did rent a Tesla Model Y and it was a really incredible deal through Sixth. And um, I checked, I knew where we were going to be driving and I checked for Tesla superchargers and there were many. And I looked at the reviews of the superchargers that they were open and people had ease of use. So if you know exactly where you're going to go and, and, it, and you're really committed to it, I think you can research and find the chargers. But it takes some work and takes yeah. some spontaneity out of your trip. Mm-hmm. And if you were asking me this question in, in 26 in Europe, there are going to be such developed charging stations and infrastructure in Europe because Europeans are buying far more electric vehicles than we are in the United States. I would say two years from now, I would give a different answer. Right now, I'd say it's not ready for prime time. Pay for the incredibly expensive gas over there. It's crazy expensive. It is a lot, isn't it? Well, coming up ahead, talking about things costing so much, we as consumers, after being hit by a two-by-four for the last several years (laughs) by inflation, now are the ones who can fight back. And I want to tell you what you got to be thinking to fight back successfully. There's such a tendency in us and human beings that what we experienced in the immediate past, we translate into the present and the future. And an example of that is a lot of us are not old enough to remember when the country had galloping inflation back in the late 70s. I remember When that was going on, my mom said to me one day, she said, is this ever going to stop? And I said, yeah, it eventually does stop. It's painful to stop it. We went through a really bad recession in the beginning of the 80s. But yeah, we got that inflation out of here. This time, the causes of inflation were completely different. So many economists older, having lived through the time of horrific inflation back in the late 70s, they thought history was repeating itself and we were going to have to be brutalized by enormous waves of unemployment and hardship in the United States and elsewhere in the world to get rid of inflation. But this inflation turned out to be so heavily supply chain disruption that started in COVID and It took a long time to unwind, and capitalists figured it out. And so today, supply chains are more flexible and better thought out than they've ever been. And so, so many items are back in supply, and the price equations are changing, except particularly the manufacturers of goods, both for food and for stuff. They got spoiled by the bigger price margins they were making and the bigger profits that they were making during the supply chain disruptions. So they're in a position where they're trying to hold on what's called hold on to margins. They're trying to hold those ultra high prices that they've now pushed through over the last few years. And you know what? More and more consumers are saying, not happening. 
I just looked at the quarterlies from big product manufacturers, and they are reporting sad stories in their quarterlies. Their sales are below plan. Their revenue is down in a lot of cases. Their market share is down because you and I collectively are smart. If Procter & Gamble thinks we're going to pay them a zillion dollars for something because they ran the price up to a zillion dollars during the COVID supply disruptions, the marketplace has given them another thing to think about. Because you and I have power. You and I can use it. And you may not individually be using your power, but we collectively are. What are consumers doing? They're just flat out not buying an item when it's too expensive. When one of the product manufacturers says, yeah, this is what we want to charge you for paper towels or what we want to charge you for a razor blade or what we want to charge you for detergent or whatever. You have the power. And now that power is translating into the grocery store as well. And Barron's has written a story about how the food retailers and consumer products retailers are in this tug of war with the manufacturers. And it got a lot of publicity about six weeks ago when one of the big retailers in the world, they don't sell in the United States, but Carrefour told Pepsi to take their Frito-Lays and their Pepsi drinks and, well... Let's just say they weren't allowed to sell them anymore in their stores because they were like, as a retailer, they said, these prices are too high. You're out of here. We're giving your shelf space for snacks and drinks to other people. You're out. Let me tell you, that had the brand name manufacturers of food and non-food items around the world quaking in their boots because Carrefour is like Walmart elsewhere. And so you and I now have so much more power than we've had in the last five years to just say no to high prices on so many items just because the manufacturers and retailers during the supply chain disruptions ran those prices up doesn't mean those prices stay. Prices stay sticky on the up. Until you and I rise up and say, no, one by one. We say, no. You give us a lower price. Just say no, Crystal. No. No. And buy that store brand or buy that alternate brand or buy the brand you like only when it's on promotional. I've noticed, you know, during the supply chain disruptions, supermarkets virtually stopped advertising specials. And I've noticed the number of specials being offered, the lists are getting longer and longer and longer. And Kroger, which sells in its various brand names, sells 9% of groceries in the United States. I've noticed that their digital weekly ads are selling so many more promotionals than they've sold. And the regional supermarkets that do the BOGOs, the buy one, get one freeze. Love a BOGO. Those are the numbers they're offering are back to historical numbers. So you got the power, use it. 
Okay, we'll go to questions. George is in Georgia and says, I'm in the market for a new home and my agent mentioned recasting my mortgage. Based on the equity we have in our current home, they claim we can recast our loan before selling, buy the new home with 5 to 10% down, and then once our home sells, we can use the equity from the sale to pay down the principal and receive a lower monthly payment due to reamortization. Sounds too good to be true. Is there anything I need to know about this option? And is it a financially responsible option? So nothing wrong with mortgage recasting. If you're, It's up to your lender if they allow a mortgage recast. Uh, usually mean? it's free. You make a lump sum payment against the balance on your mortgage. They then recast the loan, reamortize it to the remaining length of the term, but at a much lower monthly payment because of the lump sum you paid them up front. It is something that is done rarely because usually when somebody prepays on a mortgage, the reason they're doing it is to shorten the length of the loan, not to reduce the monthly payment. But in this case, the reason people do a recasting is specifically to lower the monthly payment. Again, the lender has to permit it. And usually lenders want to do it because it means you end up paying more interest on your loan than you would otherwise in order to get that lower payment. So are they basically but, doing like a cash out refi to no, get the money No, see, for that's why home? I'm trying to figure out how this is going to help, how it helps them, other than it means that they're more able to afford if they end up with two monthly payments right mm -hmm. now. Maybe what's going on, they want to buy another home before the first home sells. That's what it sounds like yeah, in George. Yeah, that's what I think's happening. Yeah, calling him King George, because that's what George <laughs> is called in honor of King George of England. Anyway, so George, if you are doing this specifically so you can float two mm -hmm. mortgages temporarily, that is a way to get it done and make the payments more manageable for the period of time until the original home sells. You've made no difference in your money you know, because you didn't lose any equity by doing that. You actually gained equity. You got the more affordable payment. And then you get all that money net back when you sell your home. But you have two mortgages, you have which two can mortgages be very stressful. Temporarily. So you lower the stress by lowering what that monthly payment would be. Pat in Georgia says, my husband has accessibility issues and we want to travel some since I've recently retired. He cannot walk long distances without using a walker. What do you think about going by train? The last plane trip we took from the Atlanta airport was a nightmare because there was no one to push the wheelchair. And yes, I had arranged everything when I booked the ticket. Okay, so this was a terrible problem. It made national news how the Atlanta airport had no what they call pushers. That's what airlines call the people who push the wheelchairs. And it was a big embarrassment for what has been the world's busiest airport for a long, long time. So that problem is over. It is now no longer a problem in Atlanta. Most airports, that's not a problem. I flew into LaGuardia uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and it, it was crazy because on the jetway, I counted 11 different pushers when we were coming off the plane, each of them had a tablet, on an iPad, some kind of mm -hmm. Android tablet, 
with a passenger's name on it that they were there for that passenger so organized and as soon as the people that could walk off under their own power did then one by one they loaded in the wheelchair passengers and took them off what you experienced in atlanta was a temporary fluke and a terrible lack of respect for people who are wheelchair bound i want you to know though about accessible go.com it's a website that i've referred people to before that has information for people traveling who have disabilities and it goes through all the various phases of travel helps you with it helps you find places that are very accessibility friendly Mm -hmm. and it is a very popular website now with people in the disabled community So you ask about the trains, which was the question you Mm -hmm. asked. Train travel outside the Northeast Corridor of the United States is difficult. Train service is sparse. The trains, because they share tracks with freight trains, and the freight trains have superiority on the tracks, the trains have a lot of trouble holding to schedule. It is not a priority in the United States outside of the Washington to Boston Corridor And then we have the privately run train in Florida that's getting just great reviews. Brightline goes from Orlando to Miami. But other than those two corridors, train travel in the United States is very difficult. Rick in California also has a travel question. I've been struggling to book a Hawaiian vacation online. I'm staying at a Sheridan, which is owned by Marriott, and notice they have something called Vacations by Marriott, where you can book the flight, hotel, and rental car together for a pretty good deal, and this is much easier. I just want to make sure it's legitimate. It is legit, and the vacation engines that are available now at the big hotel chains, at airlines, and through various credit card operators now have these vacation operations. It is very easy to book. Everything's a simple thing. You know where you're staying. You know how transfers are being done, if you got a rental car, who that's going to be with, and you got vouchers for all this stuff, and you do it. It's fine till something goes wrong with any of the suppliers. You will discover that if anything goes wrong with any phase of your trip, booking through one of these vacation outfits, that they are not there to help you adequately when something goes wrong with an air flight, Something goes wrong with the hotel, something goes wrong with the car rental, transfers, tours, whatever. It is very easy, obviously, on the booking side. You may even get a decent discount, but the more elements that are involved and the more possibilities with travel, with weather, with mechanicals, whatever, the real hassle comes that you are no longer directly the customer of each phase of travel you book. And I'm sure that, you know, Vacations by Marriott has some disclosure there that it's not actually Marriott employees doing it, that it is a third party, and that each element then is treated as a third party booking. As long as everything goes fine, great. When something goes wrong, yuck. So that's the choice you make. Ease of use, ease of booking, but if the chips are down, that's when it becomes a problem. So 
knowing that, do what feels right to you. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a great rest of your day.